It's Monday, March 26, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke, and we are joined by David Wooten, uh, Lifeline's Florida State Director. David will walk us through Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Thank you, Herbie, and welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Defender Podcast. I want to invite you to continue studying through Luke's gospel with our staff team And today we are in Luke chapter 11. I want to read the first 13 verses. And I will be reading from a translation you may not be familiar with. It's the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It may be a little bit different than this passage that you're very familiar with. Uh, The wording of it may be a little different than what you're used to. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, speaking of the Lord Jesus, this passage says, He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him at midnight, and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's our passage for today's Bible study. His name was Peter. He had a barber shop in a small town. One afternoon, he had one of his regular customers in his barber chair, and he was trimming his hair. As he looked at the front door of his shop, it opened, and in walked a man that he immediately recognized as a notorious outlaw. This outlaw was wanted by the authorities, dead or alive. A handsome reward had been offered for his capture. Well, when the barber finished with his regular customer and the customer had left the shop, the outlaw stepped up to ask the barber for a haircut and a shave. So Peter the barber lathered the man's face and neck, stropped his razor, 
and then raised the razor to the man's neck. As he pressed the razor against the man's throat, he was conscious of the fact that all he had to do was to apply the force required, and he could slit the man's throat. He could kill this outlaw on the spot and step up and claim his reward. But the last thing that was in Peter's mind was killing this outlaw. Because though he was wanted by the authorities, this man was Peter's hero. And not only his hero, but his mentor in spiritual things. The man in the barber chair was Martin Luther in the town of Wittenberg. While Peter was shaving the great reformer, he took the opportunity to ask a spiritual question. He knew of Luther not only as a brilliant theologian and a reformer, but also that Martin Luther was a man of prayer who spent two to three hours every day praying. Peter asked him, Dr. Luther, could you please teach me how to pray? Now that's the same question that Jesus asked, uh, was asked by his disciples here in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, when they noticed the connection between Jesus' power and Jesus' praying. So Luther agreed to teach this man to pray. He went back to his study and wrote a little booklet that, that's called A Simple Way to Pray. And this book was written as a letter to the barber, Peter. This little book is still available today, and basically it teaches us to take three texts as a guide for our praying. The, the Ten Commandments, the, the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. Interesting that the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them to do miracles or to preach or to to show them how to teach. Those certainly would have been skills that would have gained them popularity with the crowds. But they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Why do you think that is? I believe they understood that the power that was demonstrated in Jesus' life was the result of the time that he had spent in prayer. That's an important point for us to notice. They had seen Jesus withdraw time after time in prayer, and they saw the connection between the power of his ministry and his prayer life. That was true not only of, of Jesus, it was true of Luther, it was true of Augustine and Calvin and Wesley and others that God has used throughout church history. So I want to ask you, is prayer a skill to be learned or a habit that anyone can practice? Well, from our text in Luke chapter 11, we see that it is something that needs to be learned. However, I would also say that the newest, youngest believer can come to God in childlike faith and pray in such a way as to have his or her prayers heard and answered. Nevertheless, prayer is something we need to get good at. Nobody is born a good prayer. Our fallen nature is in opposition to the habit of prayer. I, I never have met the Christian who says, you know, I feel like I have the best prayer life. It's just awesome. In fact, I, I think I spend too much time praying. I think all of us would agree that prayer is an area of our Christian life where we do need the Lord Jesus to teach us. And this prayer that Jesus offers is a prayer that is a, a model for us. Jesus is modeling for us what our tone should be in prayer, what our priorities should be in prayer, what kind of things we should request in prayer. He wasn't necessarily teaching his disciples to memorize and recite this prayer, though there's nothing wrong with, with doing that unless it becomes the kind of vain repetition that Jesus warned us against. 
But he did give us this prayer as a template, as a, a guide. And what better way to get our prayers answered than to pray using the very guide that Jesus gave us. And so let's walk through this prayer for just a moment. It begins with praying, Father, that was such a radical innovation that Jesus brought to how believers were to relate to God. In the Old Testament, God had been presented as creator, as judge, as king, but not necessarily as father, certainly not as a personal father, that we could individually be the sons and daughters of God. But through the new birth and through spiritual adoption, God becomes our father and makes us his children, and we can come to him as our father. Jesus taught us to pray, your name be honored as holy. Isn't that, isn't that to be our, our top priority in prayer? There's a, there's a Godward focus to this model that Jesus gives us in praying. Uh, a Godward focus before there's ever a manward focus. <laughs> that needs to be our priority, that God's name would be made much of, that God would be honored, that we would recognize the holiness of God, and uh, that God's name would be honored as holy. You remember that that's the same way that the Ten Commandments begin as well, with a Godward focus, uh, focusing that on the on the hope and the prayer and the desire and the command in the Ten Commandments that God's name would be made holy, that there would be no other gods before Him, that we would worship God and God alone. Continuing in this model prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come. The kingdom of God is the reign of God, recognized and embraced and obeyed and only when those two requests have been made that we would honor God's name as holy and that God's kingdom would come should we then begin to enter into praying about our daily needs and Jesus does teach us to pray for our daily needs give us each day our daily bread asking for the provision and the needs that we have in our life and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us we need to pray about our relationships, our relationships with our spouse, with our family, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with the lost, with our church, with our pastor, with others, asking God to, to help us to keep short accounts uh, with those and that God would forgive us our sins and help us to forgive others. And then he closes this prayer by teaching us to pray and do not bring us into temptation. You'll remember that in the epistle of James in the New Testament, we're told that God does not tempt anyone. So why would Jesus teach us to pray this? Do not bring us into temptation. Well, temptation comes from three sources, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Concerning our flesh, James is teaching us that God does not entice our sinful hearts to desire sin. That's not what Jesus is teaching us to pray here because it's impossible for God to tempt our hearts with sin. The thrice holy God of Israel would never tempt his children in this way. But we do have an enemy, the devil, who lurks about seeking to destroy us through temptation and sin. And we also live in a world that's filled with lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And the world is pushing all kind of enticements to sin upon our minds and our hearts. And Jesus is teaching us to pray that God would deliver us from the evil one, Satan and the worldly enticements to sin that we encounter every day. So as we close today, I'd like to pray this prayer one more time with you. 
Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. Well, thanks, David. And this week we are praying for the country of Togo. And we have a great opportunity to partner with churches on the ground and and other believers on the ground to care for orphans in Togo. But specifically, we are praying that the voodoo spirit that is in Togo and, and, and the spirit that they worship would be torn down with the truth of Christ. And we pray that the church would rise up to engage in orphan care with the skills and the abilities that God has uniquely gifted his bride, the church in Togo with. We pray that God would continue to raise up churches um, in each of, of our states, in the United States, to be champions for the cause of the fatherless and to put Togo on their heart. We, we pray that the gospel would penetrate the hearts of the people in Togo, of uh, the people of a population of about 6.7 million people that live in Togo. We pray for strong leaders that would rise up to lead the nation of Togo in an ethical way. And we pray for a fresh vision of orphan care that would be communicated to the leaders so that holistic orphan care can truly go forth. We pray for our partners, Pastor Francois, for for Patrick and the unadopted team as they continue to find ways to invest in the work the Lord is doing in Togo. We pray for wisdom in building strong relationships cross-culturally as we establish a foundation for holistic orphan care in Togo. We pray for the brothers Godwin, Winner, and Bernard as they continue to learn and practice their life skills and teach others in their orphanage and community. And last year, our partner, Pastor Francois, had a very serious car accident. We just continue to pray for his healing as he continues to heal from this car accident. So Lord, we just pray for the country of Togo. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to work in Togo, for the opportunity to be able to work with Pastor Francois and to be able to see uh, little boys like Godwin and Winner and Bernard grow up into young men that aren't just learning life skills and aren't just learning job skills and haven't just gotten their own skills to be able to do their own work uh, in in fields and agriculture and in, in chicken farming. But Lord, we pray that you would give them a heart to reach out to others and to make the gospel of Christ known. Lord, we pray that the gospel truly would penetrate and the church would rise up in Togo so that this gospel could go forth and this voodoo practices could be extinguished. Lord, we pray that you would care for the fatherless that are amidst Togo in ways where you only would get the glory. Lord, we know that you are passionate for the nation of Togo and we give it to you and we give our plans, our dreams, and our aspirations to care for the poor, the needy, the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.